three, two, one, and hey, it's Cam. Welcome back to another ep of This Might Be Helpful, and I sincerely hope that it is, at least selfishly for me, treating this as a verbal diary for now that hopefully you can tune into and resonate with and take something away from, whatever that might be. I tend to speak myself into confusion, and any clarity that emerges through this process of speaking my thoughts can just as easily dissipate into not knowing. And so, knowing that at the end of the day we can't know, a lot of this experience is about accepting and surrendering to that notion. Relinquishing ourselves from the need or the desire to know. To know who we are, to know what we are, to know why we are, to know where we're going, to know how we're going to get there, and to know how we're going to manage it along the way. Because any notion of clarity around exactly where we're going and how we're going to get there, if you have that, I applaud you. I salute that. I don't have that type of clarity. My clarity is more fragmented. I've never had a vision, so to speak. I've just been okay with it unfolding. And there are people out there, friends, people I love and know that woke up one day with just this crystalline vision and they've been able to take steps towards it and have this unwavering knowledge of where they're going and what the plan is. I don't have that. And that's okay. That's a neutral fact because I, what I do have is a real enjoyment and satisfaction and love for where I am and what I'm doing. Does that make it easy? No. I mm, have been full of uh, doubt and, and insecurity lately, and that's also okay because I recognize that clarity is something that emerges in the absence of certainty. Certainty is this illusion of completion. It's a dead end for growth. It's where we start to atrophy because if something is certain, then we won't go beyond that certainty. It's a, it's a stone wall. Clarity is something that transcends all of that. Clarity is something that we have a role to play in, in generating, but also it's a very hands-off sensation. And if we want to take a more physical example of clarity, we look at a pond on a still day, and the energy of the water is in some kind of coherence with the energy of the air and the temperature, and this results in this clarity, this reflection. But if we were to try and scoop that clarity up and take it with us and show it to other people through that process, we stir up the silt and the mud and the haze and what was crystal clear before is now totally murky. And we are attached to that clarity. So we try and try and find it. We shuffle through that dirt and silt and only stir it up more. But if we relinquish the desire for that clarity, the desire for knowing, the desire for certainty, and just sit on the bank and allow that dust to settle back into place, we might allow that clarity to emerge again through not doing anything. To have clarity is different than to know exactly what you're doing and where you're going, because clarity is a fragmented thing. It occurs when a new connection is made in the brain, a connection between here and there, between that idea and that idea, between that experience and that sensation, and that little string of clarity is, is like a little 
line of a spider web and connecting all of these other notions and ideas. But clarity often happens in isolation. So we have clarity when when we feel coherent, when how we feel is aligned with what we're thinking. So when we have a new idea that comes up and it makes us feel good, and then we're thinking good things about that idea, we have this coherence, this heart-brain coherence, this energetic coherence. That doesn't mean that we know how that idea is going to work or how we're going to do that, or how it's going to be possible. We just know that that's an energy right there that we can tune into and we can continue to act in accordance with creating the conditions that help to sustain that energy. Now, what disrupts this clarity? Because it can be so fleeting and fragile and susceptible to dilution. If we look at clarity as, as an energy, really clarity as a energy that when exposed to the outside world can easily be disrupted by the energies that don't have clarity. If I have an idea and I get excited about that idea and I express it in a way that conveys my excitement, but not the logic or the ration or the reason, reason behind that idea, then the look of confusion on somebody's face as I'm expressing what I'm expressing can in itself disrupt my clarity. Clarity comes to you in the sensation of a pulsation of energy, right? Something that emerges, that makes us feel. And if we attach ourselves to that clarity, then we inhibit ourselves from actually creating the conditions that allow that clarity to become reality. Because clarity is kind of like this indication of a direction we could head in, but it's often incomplete. Because clarity is like little pieces of the puzzle kind of appearing and emerging here and there. And when they do, I think it's important to preserve that clarity, capture that idea, store it in a way that allows you to continue referencing it and continue building it out. But clarity in isolation can become suffering when we think that clarity solves things. But clarity is just an indication of a direction that we could head in that might result in the manifestation of that clarity. But clarity in itself is is kind of just a stepping stone. It's a finger pointing in a certain direction and it's up to us to go and turn that clarity into action. And that action will inevitably breed questions. And those questions disrupt our clarity. But if we can trust that clarity is something that emerges through the process of, of action and surrender, discipline and surrender. So discipline comes into the action. We act through devotion and discipline because we know that we reap what we sow and we have to plant seeds and tend the garden. But clarity being a transient and temporary energy like all of them can easily dissipate and then we go into a state of uncertainty and not knowing and the only thing that makes not knowing challenging and difficult and unbearable to bear unbearable is the desire or the assumption that we should know and when we reach that point of not knowing and uncertainty and chaos surrender Surrender to not knowing, surrender to uncertainty. And then with our discipline, we can continue to take steps in a certain direction, ideally one that is derived from feeling and an intention around how we would like to feel. Because it's hard to use a brain that was designed only to think and ask to also know. We can't ask the thing that questions to come up with an answer because that's not what it's there for. But if we use this thinking thing to 
think our way towards feeling, then we can feel our way towards understanding and peace and security. Because if we're explaining how to find peace and it's all done through words, then I've only given you the words as a framework to get to a place that is purely built on feeling. When the thoughts come in that we shouldn't be at peace right now, that life is stressful, that there's so much going on, peace is kind of an empty concept, something that we think can only arise when the cards of life are stacked in a way that mitigates and suffocates all of the chaos. But we can only experience peace when there's chaos. We can only experience clarity coming from a place of uncertainty. We can only experience everything because of its polar opposite, because of its paradoxical partner. So what do we do when we are lacking clarity and lacking direction and lacking purpose? When we know that we have a direction and we know that we have a purpose and a place, that we have a role to fill, but we don't know what that role is yet and how we're going to get there. The question on everybody's minds is what's the next step? And is this step the right step or the wrong step? But is that a helpful question? Because anything that stops us from taking a step might be seen as a hindrance. And this isn't to say that we shouldn't be patient and allow things to settle and allow that dust to go back to the bottom so that we have that clarity again. But if we are so concerned about making sure that the next step is the right step, then we might never take a step. And this entire process of life and the only way that any of us are going to get to where we want to go to is by taking steps. And I know this seems ridiculous. Like the question is still what step, but the answer is still, it doesn't matter. It just matters that you take a step. The next one will reveal itself after you take this one. It can be simple. It can be easy. The next step is elucidating your thoughts. If you're confused, write. If you are confused and uncertain and you don't know what you're doing and where you're going or how you're feeling, stop trying to figure it out from inside your head. You can't. You have billions of neurons and trillions of synaptic connections and little emergences and solar flares of energy hopping from circuit to circuit to pathway to pathway, presenting us individual thoughts here and there, warring with these internal sensations that are influenced by these invisible moving forces of this universe around us. You can't figure that out from the inside. You can accept it. You can surrender. You can use these pathways of language to come to that fork in the road where instead of getting lost in the rabbit hole of who am I, come back to it doesn't matter. Who am I? That's a question that can only be answered very partially because even in the process of saying who I am, I'm using the past to describe that. Who am I? I am. I am, and that is all. And I am all that I need. I am all that I want. I am all that I am. And the universe will continue to give me more of what I am. Because it's me. This notion that we need to know who we are stops us from being able to actively create that. Because who we are is something that is created in every moment, in every day. And this isn't to say that you need to create some perfect, flawless version of yourself every day. You can be your best self and still have a shitty day and a shitty week and a shitty month. January's been difficult. <laughs> it's February now. I haven't seen a difference. The Gregorian calendar marches on. Time is an unyielding 
thing that really is another just a conceptualization this tool that we use to generate some type of idea of coherency from moment to moment but nothing is stagnant or static all is in a perpetual state of flux and change and we are part of that we are part of that <sighs> i've been full of doubt and insecurity and angst lately waking up with just cortisol and adrenaline immediately and so when that happens when i wake up with that type of nervous system sensitivity then it's an indication to go into the practice and the practice is the collection of things that we do to make ourselves feel better and it's going to be super simple what i'm about to say but practice for me number one not looking at the phone in the morning because this phone is a conduit of completely unknown energy directly into my brain directly into my experience so when i go to sleep at night i put on the do not disturb I put it on airplane mode and I put it across the room so that when the alarm goes off, I can turn it off and I'm not greeted with every notification. So there's still another barrier between me and that world. And then I don't look at it for at least the first hour. And I'm not saying that you have to go an hour without it, but try 10 minutes. It will make a tremendous difference because you cannot control what you see on that phone. You cannot control what type of energy is downloaded through that experience. And if you wake up in a state of sensitivity paired with that subconscious access that occurs in the first 10 minutes of wakefulness where you're still not fully awake and you're not fully asleep, you're in this limbic state, anything that is transmitted into your space of consciousness in that state is going to cement itself in a much more profound way. And so I refuse to allow any of this unknown energy into my space until I have cultivated energetic resilience, some kind of foundation that protects me. I wake up and I turn off the alarm and I immediately go outside and I stare at the sun. I stare at the light. I allow those photons to wash away my sleepiness and to wake up my system, to ground me where I am and to activate things. And from there, I will go into movement. I have to move my body. I have to do it because if I don't move my body, and my body is understimulated, then my mind is going to be overstimulated. And the only way to balance that out is to stimulate the body. And then the mind quiets its chatter. If you are overwhelmed and you are overstimulated and you are anxious, that means that that chemical energy that is built to get you into a forward tilt, forward momentum, forward movement, if none of that energy is translated into movement, it goes straight to the brain and then the thoughts do all the running for us and we stay very still while feeling very anxious. So we got to go the other way. Use the body to intervene and that mind will just slink off into the background. Sometimes it's stubborn though. Sometimes I really got to sweat it out and go deep into that physical sensation of movement because the mind is very strong. And it's where I tend to live. It's where I tend to reside. Is in a place that is in itself just this perpetual blossoming of chaos and thought. So I wake up. I don't look at my phone. I look at the sun. I move my body. And then I go home and I do some breath work. And that breath work is how I craft and actually cultivate coherence between my mind and my heart and my being in a way that allows me to consolidate all of those energies and flow more dynamically through my day.
Because if I wake up and I immediately look at the phone, then there's a potential that whatever I see on that screen is going to set the tone for my day. And I'm going to have to do a lot more work later on to recorrect that, or it might just take over the entire day. And I'm not willing to allow that. I do not consent to this energy disrupting my own. And in order to not consent to that, I have to take responsibility in honing and crafting and protecting my own vibe. And so that's movement. That's the practice. What are you going to do to create this energetic resilience so that you can go about your day and not be so susceptible to the infinite potential of chaos around you? Because if you really wake up and you spend some time just caring for yourself, doing a difficult thing here or there, because if we wake up and we choose the difficult, then the rest is easy. Whereas if we wake up and choose the easy, then whatever our day throws at us is difficult. I don't consent to that. I will choose my own difficulty. And the funny thing is, is the more difficult I can make it, the more challenging I can make it, the more I can go towards and through that resistance, the less resistance I experience in my day to day. I can just flow. Problems are no problem. They're all just puzzles, just things to deal with, just emergences of this present moment. And that's okay with me when I've crafted my vibe. It's easy to do all the good things when I feel good. It's easy to meditate and do my breath work and do yoga and go on runs and ride my bike and do all these things when I feel good and charged. It's harder to do it when I don't feel like doing it, but that's an indication that I got to do it because it's not going to fix itself passively. Acceptance is, yes, I accept that I feel this way and I accept that I don't need to change anything and I accept that I am this perfect emergence of life, but I also accept that I don't want to feel this way and I accept that I have a role to play in altering this outcome, and I will do that. I will do that, if only to alleviate this unnecessary suffering that comes from inaction. Because through movement, I actually become my body. Rather than just this head walking around full of these thoughts that just has this thing attached to it, that has needs that I can't be bothered to attend to, if I become my body, then there's unity and safety and security just exactly where I am. This body becomes a tool to go deeper into reality, deeper into myself, that it provides the experiential side of reality that my mind can't comprehend. And my mind will try and comprehend it. It will continue to conceptualize things and figure things out. But I also know that the questioning thing, this thing that thinks cannot also know, and any idea of knowing is an illusion. It is a delusion that. I might find temporary comfort and safety in, but it's temporary because the walls can come crashing down. And when we don't challenge our own beliefs and what we're doing, the world will challenge it for us. And will we be ready? Will we be ready to deal with the difficulty that is thrown at us when we have avoided all of the difficulty in our own lives? But hard choices, easy life. Maybe not easy, but less suffering for sure because your spirit, your character gets honed and tempered like a blade in a forge and we got a lot of hammer blows left. So if I can allow those hammer blows to keep raining down and know, have the mindset that every bit of stress and turmoil and volatility and uncertainty I experience and still move through is refining my ability to move through that again, then it makes that stress and turmoil and volatility and uncertainty more bearable. I can accept it. I accept all of it. 
I accept that it's all the process. When you feel uncertain and scared and upset, rather than thinking you need to have it figured out and determine why it is that you feel this way and what you need to do about it, just ask yourself, how do I want to feel? How do I intend to feel? What is my motivation for feeling that way? Because then you get your what and your why, and that makes it uh, easier to act on. I intend to feel safe. And my motivation for feeling safe is that when I'm safe, I can put things in perspective and I can make better decisions and I can provide and take care of my needs and the needs of the people around me and I can flow more dynamically with this experience when I feel safe. I want to feel content. My motivation for feeling content is that it allows me to really be satisfied and grateful with exactly how everything is rather than how it appears to be or how I want it to be. I can find contentment even on the darkest days if I allow myself to just sit and slow down. If we can bring ourselves back to feeling and use thinking really as just a means to get back to feeling, then at a certain point we can let go of the need to think our way towards a truth and we can feel our way towards a truth. And when we get there, you don't have to explain it. You don't have to figure it out either. It's inevitable that your brain is going to try and conceptualize everything that you experience, but it's not necessary. It's just what the brain does. Letting go and accepting, that's not a isolated action or event. It is a continual thing. I am continually accepting. I am continually letting go. I have to because I'm not aware of all that I'm going to let go of in the first place. It's always emerging. And when something arises and emerges in this present moment, it's up to me to accept and surrender and let go. Not with the expectation that it will fix how I'm feeling, but with the knowledge that that is how I consolidate my power. Instead of maintaining a fight with the universe, a fight with the world, this argument of why are things the way that they are? Why do things happen to me? Those are not helpful questions. They leak your energy out, energy that could be better spent actively co-creating this experience. It's not that we're bending reality. We are reality. We don't have to bend, but... The more supple we are, the more we can bend and adapt to this experience. But if we are maintaining, if we are maintaining this argument with the world and this resistance to how we're feeling and resistance to what we know we should be doing about that feeling, then we become brittle. And when something is brittle, it snaps. I will be supple. And that flexibility, that starts with the body. So over the next few days, try and create space for you to be flexible and open with your body, with your mind, because through that openness, we see and understand that what's going on within you isn't going on just within you. It's not your fault. It's not your doing. It's your experience. But 
it's also these innumerable energies coalescing around us, moving through us, that when we are resistant to them, we trap them inside of us. But when we can come back to that place of openness, we allow those energies to flow through. We are the space in which it all occurs, just like the sky is the space in which the weather occurs. And if we can sit back in openness and acceptance, then we allow this space to blossom more life rather than get stuck in the weeds. So anyway, that's what I've been thinking the last few days. Um, I love you. I'll leave you. Hopefully this made sense. If you're still here, you're still with me, then thank you. I am grateful for you. I am. Talk to you next time.